Audio 8.1 Well, you've probably heard the phrase the Internet of Things, or IoT for short. It's a phrase we hear a lot nowadays, and experts say this latest revolution in technology will change our lives in a big way. But what is it exactly, and how will it affect us? My guest on today's programme is Duncan Bates, whose award-winning blog covers the latest news in the world of technology. Duncan. Hello. Well, IoT is the technology which allows any physical object, a fridge, say, or smoke alarm or TV, to communicate with other objects or with people. Right. But people have been talking about smart fridges and so on for years, haven't they? So what's new about it? Well, in the past, these smart devices were relatively rare. What is new is the fact that internet-connected things are now so commonplace. And why now? Because thanks to advances in technology, tiny computers or microchips can be manufactured very cheaply. These can be connected to objects, which can then be put on the internet via Wi-Fi. So how many things... Audio 8.2 So how many things, roughly, are now online? It's estimated that there are around 10 to 15 billion things that are connected to the internet, compared with only 2 billion people. And this number is set to rise dramatically in the next 10 years or so. And as you can imagine, IoT is an area in which huge amounts of money are being invested by governments and private companies. Some say this figure will soon reach trillions of dollars. Wow! So how will IoT affect our everyday lives? For example, you could have a central heating system that turns itself on when you're a certain distance from home by accessing the GPS in your mobile phone. So you get back to a warm house without wasting energy when you're not there. Or you could have a washing machine or car whose inbuilt computer could go online when it develops a fault and could look up local repair companies then book itself in for a service after checking your diary for suitable dates. So these smart devices will help our lives run more smoothly by saving us time and money, and save energy too. That's right. And it's not just objects that can be connected, but also living things. For example, cows in a field can be fitted with devices which can send a text to a farmer letting them know when a cow gets sick or pregnant. This is already happening on some farms. Brilliant. I guess the possibilities are endless. Yes, and another area that I think particularly benefits from the Internet of Things is healthcare. You can now get smart devices that measure your heart rate, your blood pressure. And for people who have diabetes, there's even a smart insulin pump. The pump, which is attached to your body, monitors the insulin levels in your blood and automatically injects insulin when you need it. And because it is Internet connected, this information can be sent to your doctor who can monitor your health remotely. Sounds great. So we've talked about the benefits. Audio 8.3 Sounds great. So we've talked about the benefits. What about the risks? I mean, the problem with technology is that it breaks down sometimes. 
Yes, that's right. If you're too dependent on internet-connected things and your Wi-Fi connection fails, or you have a power cut, then you're in trouble. Absolutely. And what worries me too is privacy. Who will have access to our personal data, and what will it be used for? That will be a great concern for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yes, it will. Privacy is a big issue, and security too, because every connected device can be hacked. Yes, having your computer hacked or your fridge is bad, but imagine if your car or your insulin pump was hacked. Now that's a scary thought. It is, but I think there will be ways for people to protect their privacy and security. I think what's more of a real worry is how much space all this data will take up on the internet. It could really slow down people's broadband. True. Ah well, we shall see. Duncan, many thanks for coming in. Audio eight point four. Cars which are internet connected can book themselves in for a service. My car, which is internet connected, can book itself in for a service. Audio eight point five. One. The man who lives in the flat above mine plays loud music. The man who lives in the flat above mine plays loud music. Two. John, who lives next door to me, has a smart fridge. John, who lives next door to me. Has a smart fridge. Three. My friend Sarah, who works in IT, often helps me when I have computer problems. My friend Sarah, who works in IT, often helps me when I have computer problems. Four. The woman whose desk is next to mine is on holiday. The woman whose desk is next to mine is on holiday. Five. The tablet that you gave me for my birthday is really useful. The tablet that you gave me for my birthday is really useful. Audio eight point six. Aubergines, avocados, beef, chilies, citrus fruit, coffee, courgettes, dairy products, onions. Papayas, peanuts, pineapples, potatoes.
rice, sweet corn, tomatoes, turkey, vanilla, wheat. Audio eight point seven. Listening for stressed words. It is very hard to hear every word in an extended piece of speech. This is because the unstressed words are spoken extremely quickly. Focus instead on listening out for the stressed words, as these carry the main meaning. Many unstressed words are grammar words, for example, articles, pronouns, and auxiliary verbs. Audio eight point eight. Chilies are grown all over the world. They're from the same family as tomatoes. Potatoes and aubergines. Although they make your mouth burn, they are also thought to have a number of health benefits. For example, they can help with stomach problems, breathing problems, and can reduce the feeling of pain. Audio eight point nine. Vanilla is the most popular spice in the world. Its sweet, slightly smoky taste is often used in ice cream and other sweet dishes. It is the second most expensive spice on the market because it requires a lot of hard labor to produce. For this reason, it is sometimes referred to as green gold. Audio eight point ten. It's hard to imagine Italian food without tomatoes, Greek food without aubergines, or Thai or Indonesian food without peanut sauce. But before the sixteenth century, these foods were not known outside of South America. These foods and many more were first introduced to the rest of the world. During a process known as the Columbian Exchange in the early 16th century, the Columbian Exchange, named after Christopher Columbus, was the exchange of food and other things between the New and Old Worlds. Fruit and vegetables brought over from South and Central America to Europe included potatoes, tomatoes, sweet corn. Courgettes, aubergines, peanuts, pineapples, papayas, chilies, and vanilla. Peanuts and chilies were then introduced to Asia by the Europeans. It is estimated that sixty percent of all the crops grown in the world today 
originated in the Americas. However, nobody could have predicted this at the time, as initially the Europeans weren't very enthusiastic about the new foods. For example, it took three centuries before tomatoes and potatoes were accepted. People were suspicious of them, thinking they were dangerous to eat. Of course, both became very important crops in Europe by the 19th century. Ireland had become so dependent on potatoes that when the potato crops failed to grow in the 1840s, a million people died of hunger. The Americas gained many new foods from Europe in return, including apples, citrus fruit, lettuce, cucumber, onions, coffee, tea, wheat and rice. The Europeans also introduced cows to the New World. After that, people living in the Americas could enjoy steak and dairy products for the first time. It's strange to think that before the Colombian exchange, Argentina, now so strongly associated with beef, had no cows. Mexican cuisine had no cheese, and Brazil had no coffee. Although the first major exchange of foods happened several centuries ago, new foods continue to be introduced between the old and new worlds. Quinoa, for example, a grain grown in the Andes Mountains and which was important to the diet of pre-Columbian civilizations, has only in the last few years become hugely popular in the USA, Canada, Europe, Australia, China and Japan. In these parts of the world, quinoa is now considered a superfood as it is extremely rich in protein. It seems that Christopher Columbus, with his food exchange, started a very long-lasting trend. Audio 8.11 1. These foods and many more were first introduced to the rest of the world during a process known as the Columbian Exchange in the early 16th century. 2. However, nobody could have predicted this at the time, as initially the Europeans weren't very enthusiastic about the new foods. 3. People were suspicious of them, thinking they were dangerous to eat. 4. Ireland had become so dependent on potatoes that when the potato crops failed to grow in the 1840s, a million people died of hunger. 5. It's strange to think that before the Colombian exchange, Argentina, now so strongly associated with beef, had no cows. Mexican cuisine had no cheese and Brazil had no coffee. 6.
In these parts of the world, quinoa is now considered a superfood as it is extremely rich in protein. Audio 8.12 So what do you think of the illuminations? Are you glad we came? Oh, definitely. It was well worth coming here. I think it's amazing. What I particularly like is the contrast of old and new, you know? All this modern light and sound technology against the backdrop of the beautiful old buildings. Yeah, me too. And the colors are just stunning, aren't they? That projection of the flowers against the town hall was magical, wasn't it? Yes, totally. And I really like the way the buildings seem to come alive with the moving images. I think the highlight for me was that building with the giant face projected onto it. When the face started moving in time with the music and making those funny expressions, that was quite something. Oh yes, that was pretty dramatic, wasn't it? I found it a bit disturbing, though. Really? I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong, I did too. I thought it was very cleverly done, just a bit scary. It was so huge and noisy. The only thing I'm not so keen on is the crowds. It's a bit too packed for my liking, especially in the main square. It made me feel a bit claustrophobic. Yeah, I know what you mean. Tomorrow, I think we should come back a bit later, when there are fewer people. There's plenty more to see tomorrow, isn't there? Yes, plenty. And I'd like to see some of the artworks again. Like the fish in a phone box, for example. Really? I wasn't so keen on that one, to be honest. I didn't really see the point of it. The point of it is that it's unusual to see fish in a phone box. Yeah, I know. But it said in the reviews that it was one of the highlights of the event, and I don't know, I just wasn't that impressed. It didn't really live up to my expectations. I think I was expecting something a bit more colorful, maybe. Anyway, I'm getting really chilly, are you? Uh, shall we go and get a hot drink somewhere? Yeah, good plan. Audio 8.13 1. What I particularly like is the contrast of old and new. 2. The colors are just stunning. 3. I really like the way the buildings seem to come alive. 4. The highlight for me was that building with the giant face. 5. I found it a bit disturbing, though. 6. It's a bit too packed for my liking. 7. I didn't really see the point of it. 8. I just wasn't that impressed. 9. It didn't really live up to my expectations.
Audio 8.14 1. Fuel efficiency in a car is not a question of speed, but of the number of revs, or revolutions, or turns, of the engine per minute. For most cars, this is around 2,000 revs per minute. That's actually just 56 to 74 kilometers per hour for the majority of cars. So, 89 kilometers per hour is false. 2. Metal detectors that you walk through at airports use powerful magnets that can damage laptops and some security cameras. So, this is true. But it doesn't cause a problem because you aren't allowed to carry electronic devices through these metal detectors anyway. You put them on a separate X-ray machine. 3. A study found that, of the 243 petrol station fires that took place around the world between 1994 and 2005, None were caused by mobile phones. So, this is false. 4. There is no evidence that phones and tablets interfere with an aeroplane's navigation or communication. In fact, pilots themselves use information on tablets to help them take off and land a plane. So, there is no truth in this. 5. This is false. If you leave a game running, for example, then it will drain the battery. But if you switch to another app, you don't need to close it. The operating system automatically stops it from running. 6. Studies have shown that fibre-optic technology works much faster than ordinary ADSL broadband. So, this is true.